Ah, there we go. Okay, well, hello everyone. Um, I am very excited for my guest here today. Uh, it is part two of the Kaylin Torres uh, interview, which is very exciting. Um, and today we're going to do a little recap, a little follow-up. It's been about six months. Uh, we're going to touch base with Kaylin on what she's up to. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, motherhood and what that's been like for, for Kaylin. So uh, without further ado, let, let's get started. for having me back I'm really excited to be here awesome um this was a long year yeah very long year <laughs> it's, it's so only long. been six months can you believe it I know I feel, I feel like it's been much longer mm-hmm. but um this year was really really busy for me I was again working three jobs for the majority of it going to school and then I had started an interview process with this Wisconsin Police Department um for a community service officer and then it kind of bled into me applying as regular police officer that's ultimately what my goal was Um, however I felt like I needed a lead-in so I applied for CSO they told me you know it would look better if you apply for police Um, obviously I wanted the grander of the two but Uh I was looking to get my foot in the door, and uh, long story short, I ended up making it through that process. So I, I start August 1st, I swear in as an officer, and then I head to the academy. So, Oh, boy. So everyone knows Kaylin was security guard at the high school that we worked at. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a big, big loss for us to lose Kaylin, but we're very excited for you to begin your Thank career you. as a police officer. Yeah, it's very bittersweet because I absolutely loved what I did here. There was not a single day that I woke up this year, no matter how tired I was. I never, ever had the that feeling like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. Like, I, it was just kind of like a, I don't know, it was like a seamless morning, regardless of what was going on, uh, getting into the building and seeing all the kids that I had built relationships with and my amazing mentors and colleagues and friends that I made along the way. It was, I, I'm beyond blessed to have worked here, mm-hmm. definitely. But just think about this, Kaylin. This is like you're becoming a police officer. This is a kind of a goal. It was a goal of yours. Yes. And now you're there. Yes. <laughs> I know. You made it. It's very. It's a surreal feeling. Um, I, I was really excited, uh, kind of leaning into like the motherhood aspect. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I picked up my son early because I was like, I just couldn't wait. I had zero patience that day. I went to his school and I picked him up early after I found, I got the call that I had been offered a conditional offer. Obviously I needed to pass my psych and my drug screen, my medical and uh, a physical portion, uh, f- physical readiness for the academy. Um, but I was offered, you know, a conditional offer by the deputy chief and 
I picked him up and I had, you know, I recorded it because I wanted to see his reaction because this is something that we've both, like, I don't want to say that I've been working for it because we've both been working for it. We've both yeah. been sacrificing. We've both been on this road where it was like, I kept telling him that one day it would be worth it. Yeah. And that, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, mommy can't spend time with you right now. Like, I have to do this, but it's for a purpose. One day it'll be worth it. One day I'll only be working one job. One day, you know, we're going to get there. We're going to have the life that we want, the life that I want to provide you. And I got to tell my son that, like, we did it. And that was an amazing moment. He was so excited. We went and got ice cream and kind of hung out. And oh, that is so wonderful. Yeah. So he was very excited. He's and very he's excited. been a part of this journey, too. He ha- he ha- Absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, what we go through as parents not only affects us as individuals, but everything trickles down into our home life which affects our kids which affects the time we spend with them the moods we're in you know everything and I think it's really important for kids to see their parents um, face adversity and kind of have those like triumphant moments because it it's showing them that not everything in life comes easy but if you set your mind to it you'll uh-huh. achieve it however it's not without sacrifice on their end you know yeah. it's not without them you know watching you I'm like bobbing my head because I'm exhausted sitting at the kitchen table at midnight submitting finals and and I gotta go to work the next day and he's like I don't want to go to sleep until you go to sleep and it, it's it's like this I guess I don't want to overuse like the term bittersweet but it is because it's like this sucks right now but it it'll be worth it you know like short-term pain for long-term gain kind of a thing and I think this is a moment in time where we are where he gets to see the other half of that versus he's almost 10 so a decade of his life has been watching me you know just try to get there um so it it's it's a moment to celebrate with the two of us and you know it's it's surreal in that lesson of you know if we really want something it's going to take sacrifice Mm -hmm. um you can't really get away from that Mm -hmm. uh and and what an important lesson uh for your child for yourself to know that if we really if if something of value that we really really want mm-hmm. it's going to take some sort of sacrifice right and and even though going into law enforcement obviously it's not the 9 to 5 mm-hmm. you know 40 hour work week mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of overtime a lot of lapses in schedules you know my fiance and I are talking about like we're gonna have to hire a nanny to just tuck him in at night kind of a thing like a couple days a week depending on how our schedules line up he's also an officer Um, okay is he an officer where is he so we're actually going to be at the same department oh my gosh which is a kind of a big deal we've gotten you know a lot of uh, a lot of maybe not necessarily solicited advice. Uh, you know, I, was, oh, I could never work with my spouse. Uh, we're really committed to the aspect. He knew since the day we met that I wanted to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I was going for the CSO position originally, and we wouldn't really have intertwined at all. Um, 
you know, by the grace of God, I've made it to where I am. And we're both really excited. We're putting in the work, uh, setting the groundwork for that communication piece for all of those, um, you know, conflict resolution, uh, timing, scheduling, managing our home life and keeping work separate and also supporting each other, um, which I think is important. We sit Xander in on a lot of that. He sees that. I want him to see um, conflict, but how to resolve it. I don't want him to think that there's no conflict, but I don't want him to only see conflict. I want him to see that it's healthy to have both, but there's um, boundaries and respect that come along with them as well. Um, So... you know, we're we're excited to dive into it. We're um, excited that Xander's so willing. Uh, I think everything that Xander and I have been through together as a single mom and a child, especially a young single mom and a child, has really, really nurtured our relationship to a point where he's about to be 10 years old. I can sit down and talk with him and have a conversation with him. Hey, like, you know, this is what's happening not a fan of how the schedule is laying out, but here are your two options. What would work best for you? How do you feel about the situation? How can I help you? You know, kind of keeping that line of open communication because even though they're kids, they still have thoughts, feelings, emotions. And I think just my own background, I think one of the most uh Detrimental things to a child is feeling unheard. Uh, so I definitely want to agree. As he's not always going to like what I have to say, mm-hmm. which obviously we've had those conversations as well. Mm-hmm. He's not always going to like um, the situations. I am not always going to respond in the best way possible, mm-hmm. but I try to make it a point of coming back to him and being like, "Hey, I could have handled this better. Here's where my head is at." There's some external factors going on that, you know, at this time you don't need to worry about, but there are other things going on as to why I made this decision and I, and I could have handled it better in this aspect. I'm sorry. And, and we kind of were able to navigate through that, which I think is shows immense maturity on his end, but it's, it's a really meaningful parental moment to me to oh, be able to have that connection so with him. Yeah. Um, when it was just me and my son, we were able to kind of, we had like a weekly check-in mm-hmm. where we would just sit and talk and kind of open book to each other, like what's in his thoughts, you know, what's on my mind, yada, yada, yada. And uh, I'm glad, I, I really want that to keep going as he gets older, especially as I transition into law enforcement. Um I'm putting in uh, kind of some place, some, I guess, I'm not thinking of the correct uh, verbiage or terminology here, but I've come up, you know, I have a couple appointments to meet with some different like trauma therapists that specialize with police because Mm -hmm. I don't want my transition to come home and come out on him. Uh Um, And I... And the ones that I'm meeting with, the ones that I'm working with, are also helping me navigate him. He's ADHD. He has an IEP. Mm-hmm. I am also both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of helping me navigate how to handle him when I'm also having those moments. Yep. Um, but 
they're also willing to have him come in and be able to kind of like voice how he feels and and Wonderful. and it's like just having like that third party uh-huh. just as a I guess like a background. I actually was like very against therapy for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Sure, I felt like I had healed from everything I needed to. <laughs> very wrong uh i had just suppressed it and then when it started coming up involuntarily i didn't know how to deal with it so after that happened i'm like all about therapy like can't get enough of it because it gives you the healthy coping mechanisms you need to deal with like like future stressors or future triggers to trauma memories or or any kind of anything like that and and that's kind of where you heal instead of recreating or like falling into that pattern and that cycle of generational trauma What a treat to have Caitlin here. <laughs> I mean, I hope everyone's listening. I, I want to go back a little bit to the uh, uh, part that you were talking about having conversations with your son mm-hmm. and making time mm-hmm. to have those conversations and maybe even uh, knowing like when maybe you're a little worked up or stressed and taking that moment, but coming together when you're both at a at a kind of a place where you're able to have those conversations Mm -hmm. Um, and how important that is as a parent to do that. Um, Kids need to be heard Mm -hmm. and and they need to be respected. Their voice needs to be respected from their parents, I believe. And those conversations are just crucial for their development. Oftentimes, in my experience, I'll see parents that are just so busy, you know, so busy with work, so busy with projects that they forget to make that time Mm -hmm. to speak with their kids and to listen to their their children. Um, And that can be very detrimental because then the child kind of sees like, oh, they don't really have time to see me, hear Mm me. Um, So what you're doing and what you said about that piece I think is just so crucial, and I think it's an ongoing uh, process with your kids um, to always try to keep those communication lines open mm-hmm. when they become teenagers, especially trying to keep those, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keeping our reactions kind of in check, keeping our judgments in check, so we can really have a conversation. Um, also, my experience with working with adolescents is that there's that disconnect. Um, parents are, are quick to respond, react, to mm-hmm. judge, and the kids will just turn off from that. Mm-hmm. And they just want their parents to listen to them, mm-hmm. to hear them, and to have a conversation. So that, yeah, so crucial. And then you, then you mentioned therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see my therapist as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an ongoing kind of unpacking of who you are a learning process that takes a lifetime um (laughs) yes it does (laughs) and to have someone there that you know if something does come up or if a difficult challenging time arises you have someone you can talk to about it oh yeah and and i've even experienced um just like growing up with adhd 
I can manage it a lot more as an adult just because I've done the work to kind of figure out what works best for me. How can I, you know, I have my overwhelmed moments, especially when I have a ton of stuff going on. But as a child, it wasn't necessarily understood. Um, So, like, just as an example, uh, you know, I got called careless about Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Like, probably, like, three, four months ago. And for some reason, I had the biggest emotional response to that. I was so upset. I could not understand. It was my fiance. We talked it out, and he was great about it. And he he didn't really understand what happened mm-hmm. because I went from calm, cool, collected to just, how could you even say that? Because I've spent my entire adult life adjusting to those, like, voices that are still there. That's right. In, you know, small little kid Kalen mm-hmm. um, is that I've almost made it a point to be so detail oriented so that no one could ever call me careless <laughs> right. and it, and I know that I can get a little annoying with like my like don't do this because my car I have it organized in this way mm-hmm. and I and I notice like if someone someone has moved something that I own three centimeters to the to the left I notice mm-hmm. um and I was talking to my therapist about it you know I was like I have no idea why I freaked out like this and she was like well like let's talk about how you were handled when you were managing or figuring out that like you had ADHD as a child and she was like were you referred to as careless a lot and I was like yeah and she's like well you know it makes a lot of sense and so I kind of adjusted that because that's something that we're working on with my son is he tends to um leave all the lights on which I think is just a trait of children (laughs) I do it too and my um, argument is that I, I pay the electricity bill, so I can leave the lights on if I want to. Um, but my fiance hates it. He walks around turning off all the lights. Um, but that's something that I don't want to say that we were necessarily using that verbiage, but we were kind of getting on him. Like, you really need to pay attention more. Like, you need to pay attention to your surroundings because he would do, like, just little minute things that wouldn't really be a big deal but you know then someone would walk by and knock the cup over that he had like leaning off the <laughs> the side of the the table or just little things or like he would i don't know just leave his bike out like yeah in the front yard or behind mm-hmm. my car or just yeah. random random things that like you think people would think about but he's a kid <laughs> with a developing mind who is most of the time thinking about like Naruto and his video games <laughs> and so we're trying to like adjust the way that we handle those situations to like more of an explanation like hey make sure next time you do this because here's what can happen oh, you know in you're a, teaching in an, yes in and I think it's easier said than done oh, yeah, being certainly. a busy parent mm-hmm. having those moments where you're like can you just like not leave your underwear on the bathroom floor? <laughs> That'd be great. But you know, not only is he a nine-year-old boy, but he's 
ADHD. So it makes it so mm-hmm. much harder to kind of like get him like focus because mm-hmm. I have a hard time focusing myself. I can't even imagine having like all of these like random thoughts and just like seeing something and just completely forgetting what you're doing when you don't have a scheduled day like I wake up I automatically have I have to call this doctor and call his school district and I have to you know weed the yard and I have to uh, clean the kitchen and and make sure this is done and if I don't wash these clothes then we won't have them for tomorrow like kind of a thing like that he doesn't have that he wakes up every day he's like I you know can I get away with eating a donut for breakfast we'll see like let's find out that's his thought process kind of and and that's good that he's an innocent kid he should be thinking about that but I think as a matured mind you forget that we weren't always here (laughs) and there was a lot in between to get us here Uh and there needs to be some more grace in there and I'm the first one to admit that I'm not always perfect at that at all like farthest from and I have to like kind of check myself and have those conversations with Xander again like hey I could have handled this better Mm -hmm. it really upset me but I'm also upset about stuff that has nothing to do with you so Mm -hmm. I want you to know that my response does not like depict how I feel about you Mm -hmm. kind of a thing and obviously those moments as parents you want your child to know that it's okay to have an emotion Mm -hmm. that maybe they don't handle the right the first way but bringing it back and and kind of like hey even adults have a hard time controlling their emotions Mm -hmm. but it's how you respond after and how you navigate the next time you feel that way it's like those are the 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 learning like qualities that come out of it yeah so yeah well you know this the little tagline on this podcast is being present with our children and and what you're describing is exactly i I see this a lot Mm -hmm. uh, in parenting in motherhood um because of the busy nature of our lives how fast we move in this society um but I'm just so impressed or uh, in awe of the work that you've put in uh, to recognize, to become aware of yourself. You know, you're seeing a therapist. You, we, we talked in the first interview of all the stuff that you've been through um, and that you continue to do the work. You continue to have the conversations. A, a lot of people um, resist uh going inside Mm -hmm. they don't it's scary you know we build up those defenses to because we want to protect ourselves from you know those scary places that exist um but you've managed through hard work because it is it's hard work it's not the most fun (laughs) it's not fun it's not fun at all uh but you've been brave and courageous enough to do that type of work and now it's showing up in your parenting it's showing up with your fiance you know uh you're recognizing that the work doesn't stop Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's that's impressive and it's a good role model and lesson for for other folks who you know are afraid maybe to do that kind of work um it does pay off uh, mm-hmm. In the end, um, it does make life uh, uh, richer for yourself, for your child, for your family. But t- 
tell me about maybe that process, like the first time you started doing therapy, the first time you started to open up and what feelings you were feeling when that was taking place. So that's actually, um, I'm really excited to share this, but probably like last year I would not have Mm -hmm. wanted to. Um, So, I don't think I mentioned in the last interview, um, I'll just recap just in case. I don't have anything to do with my biological parents. Um, My biological father left when I was very young. Um, Any contact that we've had has been negative and has been very, like, I don't want you because of you kind of a thing. In reality, meeting him as an adult, I understand that his actions have nothing to do with me. It took a long time to get there. Um, But, you know, he's an alcoholic and, and... not someone that I would choose to spend my time with now. So I think his absence was probably better for me in the long run. Mm -hmm. I say that hesitantly because I know what it feels like to be a kid who has an absent parent and it's not a good feeling. But I think if you can look back and be like, "Eh, maybe it's a good thing that I didn't have that influence because I had all these other bad influences Mm -hmm. and I had to fight my way. Like, what would I have done with one more stacked on me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I've come to peace with that. I don't have a relationship with him. I don't plan to. I don't want him to know my children (laughs) more for the protection of my children. Uh, I say that for future. I also still have a stepson from my Xander's brother. Mm -hmm. He still comes and stays at my house. I still have a relationship with him. He has his own bedroom at my house. Okay. Um, I promise to love him as my own forever, and I plan to do that regardless of with whether I'm with their dad or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and their dad's great with that co-parenting aspect. So um, my biological mother and I, we do not have a relationship. I think I covered that in the first interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, it came down to boundaries. It, it became very apparent. I could not have a relationship with her regardless of the boundaries because the boundaries were not being respected and they were being crossed. So that was a decision that I still struggle with to this day. Um, It's hard as an adult, especially as an adult woman, when you are sitting there and you're like, I, you know, like we bought a house this year. We got engaged. We just booked a venue. I got my dream job. My son's growing up. And, you know, I think every girl wants to sit there and chat on the phone with her mom about random things. Right. You know, oh, should I go to Costco or Sam's Club to get this? Or, like, mm-hmm. can you come over and help me with organizing, like, my kitchen? I've always, even as, like, I would say, like, the, the little girl in me mm-hmm. kind of still has that fantasy of, like, spending time with, like, your mom hanging out or, like, she's baking cookies with you and helping with the grandkids. And I, it's hard to come to the terms that, like, you won't have that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I have that form of love from a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I stayed with my stepdad. Uh, My mom and my stepdad were no longer together. And as an adult, I ended up living with him, uh, I think, for a year or two. Okay. Um, He passed away two years ago very suddenly and tragically. It was very hard for me to kind of handle. But 
it felt like if I could describe what I went through mentally was that I felt like I had had a good handle on everything that I had hand, like dealt with in my childhood. I coped with it by like attempting to be perfect Mm -hmm. because if I was perfect no one could reject me or not love me because there was nothing to reject or not love this took a huge toll on me uh, internally because when I did mess up there was absolutely no grace or leeway not only in my head but like I couldn't let anyone else know so I like I fought those battles by myself Mm -hmm. When my stepdad died, um, it tore the, the like, bandage and, like, just reopened every wound that I had ever felt. And suddenly I had no control over my emotions or, like, my feelings. And there was just all this, like, I don't have anxiety, but if what I experienced during that, like, I mean, I'm still grieving. I don't think you ever stop grieving, but that that immediate grieving <laughs> process, excuse me. <laughs> um, I would probably say that uh, I have a lot of empathy towards someone who has anxiety every day because it is, oh my gosh, it's like a building is dropped on you and, and there's no safe place because you can't escape your mind. Yeah. Um, it was really hard and and it kind of I got to a point where my fiance and I uh, you know got together and started dating and I made it very abundantly clear at the beginning of a relationship I said I don't want you know I'm at a, a very fragile state right now and I recognize that and I don't want me to end up putting on you you know the uh, the aftermath of all this stuff that I'm still trying to to cope with I was like because you can't heal me it's my responsibility to fix what's going on inside of me um he's amazing it was like no I'm sticking around anyways but um essentially I got to a point where I was just like I I I'm either going to start Repeating the cycles, I could see it because I I know that by like my my biological mother went through a lot in her childhood. I know that she went through a lot in adulthood, and I think what caused such a huge riff and her inability to kind of give me what I needed from her or to to provide that to her family was the unhealed trauma and and all of it just combining. And I, re- I, I saw some some things that I was doing that was reminding me of that. And it was very scary. It was a very, like, I had to really, really check myself. My fiancé, you know, was kind of like, hey, I've noticed you're doing this and this. And even though he was trying to talk to me, I just saw red because he just pointed out something yeah. that my mom had done to me as a kid or I'd seen her do that and it was absolutely terrifying Uh, I never ever want to go back to that I never want to be on that like verge so I made the decision to 
start opening up and talking about it and stop because I was isolating myself because I didn't want people to see me in that like low mood or like I didn't want my negativity to be like projected into the world like I don't I don't want to be a negative person but I was at a very negative state and so I didn't want my negative my negativity to be projected onto other people so I really really had to work very hard on identifying where those behaviors were coming from I had to work very hard on identifying um, the emotions that came along with them I think a lot of times um unwarranted emotional responses or just patterns of behavior that are not positive and not beneficial for yourself or others come from an unhealed place and unidentified emotions because once you can identify them you can kind of find the root and once you find the root you can start uh, scaling things back and and kind of like trimming away at what's being overgrown essentially. Did you have a therapist at this time? I, or were you doing this? I kind of started work on your own? a year ago. Um, so I'm religious. I actually we started doing premarital counseling okay. with my church with my fiance um and i think probably like the first or second uh premarital marital counseling session with uh the, a very trusted um and like i absolutely love them they're an amazing couple they've been together for years um and probably like the first or second session i was like Oh, oh, a lot of our problems are me <laughs> and I have to fix that. <laughs> um, so, well, there, you realize that you, you have stuff that you have to work on right. as well as your partner. Right. And, and he's great and he's doing what he needs to right. on his end. Right. But I, I kind of realized a lot of what was going on was the aftermath of <laughs> the trauma that I had experienced. Um and that's when I started getting some therapy and and really going like full blown in it and and working on um, feeling like me again because I I don't think I ever really got back to feeling like me after my you know stepdad had passed away. Uh, I think that I was kind of going through the motions. I, something that I learned though is that you're never gonna get back. To who you were because that's not who you are anymore every trauma changes someone you know changes you differently affects you differently and you have to learn how to cope with that and heal from it and whether you want to or not that's going to you know slide you into the next chapter of your life or the next you know the next page it's going to Certainly. to to grow you a little bit that's if you put the work in. That's it can right. damage you a lot. Yes. But if you put the work in, there will be growth from, you know, that pain and that trauma. Uh, so once I accepted the fact that I was no longer going to be who I was, mm -hmm. it opened, 
I would say my eyes, but it opened up a lot of opportunity for me to kind of, I'm like, I get to figure out who I am all over again and, and kind of see where I am now. And I, I think something that came from all of that was, I, I wouldn't say that I was hardened, but I want to say that I had developed like a switch where I could turn off my emotions towards something or someone that was hurting me and I could wall it off and be like, nope, no, we're not going, we're not going there. Who I am now has forced me to discover that I can be strong and have boundaries and, you know, uh, assert myself and, and where I stand while still acknowledging the fact like, Hey, you hurt me. And, Mm -hmm. and it, this is how I'm processing it. We can talk it out, but if not, you know, this, this is where I'm at. And, you know, the, the chips fall where they are on your end, but it, it allowed me to really understand that you don't have to turn off your emotions to stand your, like, I don't want to say stand my ground. Cause I don't want I don't want it to sound like it's like, I'm going to stubbornly stand here and be like, you're wrong. But it allowed me to understand that I could feel emotions while setting boundaries Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, being confident in myself and my decisions and, and, you know, where I was at at that time, which I think has helped me a lot, uh, not only with healing, but it's helped me connect to others. This is is great. Um, Yeah, it's like you're, you're in a state of becoming. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We're kind of always in a state of becoming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of had this like image that um, once you hit your 20s, you're an adult. And that is uh, so wrong because I'm closer to 30 now than I am 20. And I just found out that I there's I don't know anything <laughs> in comparison to what's going on around me and, and the world and experiences and stuff. So, yeah. But it... it but it seems freeing. It seems like it you're is. creating space mm-hmm. for yourself, which seems wonderful. And, and thank you for sharing that uh, that period of time because that sounded very difficult uh, to go through. Right, and I think it affected my parenting as well. Mm-hmm. That was a time that um, my son and I, you know, were still really close. We stayed close through that time, but. It was, it was really, he was very, very close with my stepdad. Um, that's essentially like the family that we had. Um, you know, he would help him with his homework and his projects and his, he would make him this like five-star breakfast in the mornings. Um, I remember sitting there like, well, I never got that when I was a kid, but okay. Um, but it, it was really hard on my son and actually kind of trying to navigate like his healing while being like like incredibly broken inside myself that was a huge like pivotal moment in my parenting and it was it was a big learning experience for the both of us to like understand what it meant to because 
the only two the only two we had was each other like no one else was feeling that pain Mm -hmm. no one else was grieving the way that we were Mm -hmm. um so i had to figure out how to lean into that but also like make sure that like i didn't lean on him too much because i've seen it from a lot of external uh like looking in kind of a thing on other like families and parents but i also saw it a lot in my own where if you lean too much on your child because of your emotions and and what you're going through and how you need them it really messes with their development it puts them in this like you're parentifying your child and you're taking away like their childhood innocence because all of a sudden they feel like they have this responsibility that they don't have. Mm-hmm. And and that leads all the way into like adolescence of becoming a teenager and how they respond to those and and I've seen it in the kids, you know, here. I've seen it other places. I saw it in myself. Mm-hmm. And and I really wanted to be careful during that time to not do that to, to Xander, but also understand that he was feeling, you know, kind of the same pain that I was. So it was important that we connected and talked about it and, and did little things. And, you know, he said stuff that would I had to, like, <clears throat> really hold it in. Uh and when I did cry, I was like, it's happy tears. You made me cry happy tears. It's fine. You're not, you didn't make me sad. Um, like his first baseball game, I remember he was like, I think, you know, Grandpa Randy is going to be with me today, mm-hmm. like out on the field. And I was oh. like, I think you're right. Yeah. And um, uh, a moment that I'm like getting a little choked up about is when I told my son that I, I was like, you know, mommy's going to be a police officer. And I'm so excited. And there was this kind of like lull in the car when we were driving to go get ice cream and out of the silence he just goes grandpa randy would be really proud of you and i was like (laughs) it like it touched me but it also it made me so incredibly proud that he has the emotional capability to I don't even know how to describe that, but I feel like I am the luckiest mother in the world <laughs> to have a son that can empathize with other people's emotions, but but also, like, I don't know. He has this emotional intelligence that mm-hmm. I feel like scares me sometimes. Because I'm like, how do you even know to say that? Or, like, how do you know that? But, yeah, I think... I think we're in a good spot to where we've been able to to look at each other and like heal and grow and, and talk and I, I'm sure that'll continue because again like we still have days where it's like it's it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an amazing kid though. I'm so lucky <laughs> to have him. <laughs> you, you, you really are a testament to putting in the work and having the work benefit you in your life, in your family, and your parenting. Um, you mentioned earlier, kind of, when you, when you put in the work, you start to recognize other families and, and what, you know, could be detrimental to the kid and kind of checking yourself and, and, and mm-hmm. you're doing all that. Um, and you're breaking the chain 
you're breaking that you know we talk a lot about uh, generational trauma mm-hmm. uh, and how hard it is to break that chain right and i'm sure you you've seen it with you know friends or families where that trauma just continues on mm-hmm. and it just keeps going if the work isn't done you are a testament to to putting in the work and thank you man those decisions that you've had to make about your biological parents you know coming to that place is not an easy place to come to no and it's still challenging right i think actually this just came up um at one of our uh premarital like counseling sessions um it was you know we're in a workbook essentially uh and one of the questions was like you know it goes through a chapter of like forgiveness and why it's important and how it can affect you if you don't and then it it asks you to list someone that you need to forgive that you recognize and it kind of made me realize that like a lot of what i couldn't let go of was forgiving myself for allowing behavior that I knew I didn't deserve. Um, so I had to forgive myself for being angry for many, many years about my parents. I had to, you know, cause I, I immediately, I was like, it really, really made me think, and it was like, am I still mad at them? And I understand that I'm not so mad at them. I'm still hurt, though. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, but I have forgiven them because I understand that their actions are also coming from hurt. That's right. Hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, and... They're not. They're not there. Will they ever be there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not my decision. <laughs> I and that's again something like you cannot control anyone else. The only person you can control is you. So like I I challenge myself. I think it's really important when you can't control what's going on you can't control how someone behaves towards you you can't control whether or not someone hurts you and living a life guarded so that people can't hurt you is not beneficial at all um if anything it hurts you and the relationships you have and hinders growth further uh but i challenge myself a lot to control the way that I respond mm-hmm. um, but also in those moments controlling the way that you respond doesn't mean that what they said didn't hurt you that's right it means you are not going to put out that same energy mm-hmm. and you're going to cope and heal from the way that they harmed you Mm -hmm. because I thought that it just meant like controlling the way that you respond and then like walking away like oh like see like 
I better behavior than you. Like, that's not (laughs) it at all because I ended up with, like, three years worth of anger for things that I felt like I had just let people get away with, which is not not, not the case at all. I did what I believe is right, mm-hmm. and I I want to, you know, again, I'm religious. I want to show grace when people don't show me any. Mm-hmm. You know, you show mercy to people who maybe don't deserve it. You show kindness to people who are angry. And it doesn't mean that their actions are excused, are excused <laughs> or it's like on you're unfazed by it it just means that you're choosing to love instead of add to the anger but it's also you know someone walks in I'll I'll give you an example someone walks in and they're so angry and they're frustrated I think I had a similar situation uh, where a woman came in and was yelling at me about something that was not my fault. I could not control it. Um, And instead of, like, kind of bringing the tone up to match her, I tried to stay really calm. Again, way easier said than done most times. I'm not saying that I do it every time. I'm not saying that I'm perfect at it. I'm saying it's a goal of mine. So at that that one instance, I was able to kind of keep my cool and talk her through, you know, the situation. How can I help you? Like, let's talk through what happened. Let me see what I can do. How can I add, you know, to the situation to maybe ease it a little bit? Well, we ended up talking and, and she started to cry. And it wasn't like a situation where it was worth, like, the situation itself that we were dealing with was not like tear worthy Mm -hmm. but come to find out she had just lost her dad in that moment i got like goosebumps and i like kind of had to fight back some tears myself because i had to tell her i'm like she started apologizing to me and i and i i just told her i was like listen like i really appreciate your apology you're 100 percent forgiven and i can tell you right now i empathize with the pain that you're feeling and i want you to know that you're not alone and She was like, I never act like this. And I was like, I acted the same way. (laughs) It's okay. Like, I understand. It is a very difficult time. It is hard to under, like, know where, in which direction to to point your emotions. There's no logic in grief. And so I was able to kind of, like, let her know, like, hey, like, I don't hold anything against you. I'm not judging you. In fact, I know how you're feeling, and I've been there. So, like... If there's anything I can do, please let me know. And, like, we, we had a really beautiful moment. And I, I thank God that I was put in that position to to have that because I could see it. I could see the pain. I, I knew what it felt like. And I was in a position where, I mean, obviously I had no greater impact in her, like, personal life but I was able to help her with that issue that she was having right then and there and and show her grace and tell her like hey it's not I don't take I don't take any of this personally you're fantastic I'll be praying for you I hope you have a wonderful day and like those moments are huge for me yeah that's it's a beautiful story I mean and you could have responded in so many different ways that would have just 
egged on the situation, the anger, the vitriol that existed in that encounter. Mm -hmm. But instead, you chose to respond a different way. And and you found out that this woman had a story. I think something that I really try to keep conscious or keep at the front of my brain is you really, and I think it's so cliche, a lot of people like say it all the time, like you never know what people are going through. (laughs) But it's so, so true. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes, so I was driving when I found out that my stepdad had passed away. Mm. And I wasn't far from his house. And I was trying to get there before it all, like, set in. I was driving under the speed limit because I couldn't see out of my eyes. I was crying so hard. And there were people behind me, like, honking at me, flipping me off. And I remember that moment. So when I'm in traffic, again, I'm not going to say that I'm perfect at it. I try to remember those aspects for when someone's like driving too slow or they, you know, they're looking to find an address and they flip on their blinker at the last second. Like, it's really easy to get mad at those people, but you really, truly never know what's going on in their lives. And I've found that the same thing happens with my son. There's sometimes that like he's just in a foul mood. He's getting to where he's about to be double digits. He's experiencing a lot of different emotions. And there was one day he was just like for all intensive purposes, like he was being a jerk. I was like, what is wrong with you? Like what is going on in your head that is like causing you to act like this because I don't recognize you right now. (laughs) And he ended up crying and like telling me that like there were kids at school that were like bullying him. He's, you know, he's a little curvy and that's what we, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell him that like, I want him to love his body for how he is and for who he is. But there are kids that make fun of him for being like on the heavier side and it has affected him. Um, but he doesn't outright come home and he's not like, you know, I, we have to have this conversation because I'm really upset or, you know, uh, I think parents forget that their children are not going to respond to a bad day the same way that a spouse would, where they would come home and be like, you know, I had this like really crappy day. Um, your children are going to come home and they're not going to know how to handle their emotions and they're not going to know where to put it. And they're, and and it's just going to come out in whatever way. So I think, in, like, one thing that my fiancé and I have kind of worked through, because we had very different childhoods, but we had, uh, I don't want to say some similarities to make it seem like he had, like, an awful childhood, because he, he has great parents, and I love them very much. Um, but we do have, like, some same viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, our parents were the same age, so, like, some of the things that they attempted to instill in me were, like, the same thing, but that like harsh punishment of like well you did this and so now you're grounded for three days that's not gonna work when it's like you talked back so you're grounded when they're like bawling their eyes out because 
they don't understand what their emotions are doing mm-hmm. and there is an actual cause for it. Granted, do I think my son should just be allowed to talk back to me? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a difference between like an emotional roller coaster coming out at home mm-hmm. and then like just outright like <laughs> rebellious, nasty behavior. And recognizing the difference. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not always easy as parents. Mm-hmm. It's really, really not. It's very hard. Um, but I have found that most of the time when there's something going on with Xander, there's a cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say my child is perfect because he is not. <laughs> but he does have a very kind heart and he really does tend to have like when there's like there's unpleasant behavior going on, there's typically like a root of it versus him just choosing to like be nasty that day. So we're working with trying to figure out how to properly parent that. Uh How do I properly nurture, but also create structure in this like emotional, like no one knows where to go kind of a space. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's very, this age, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm really figuring it out. <laughs> there is no instruction manual. Everyone no, says that about parenting. Yeah. But I swear, like an infant and toddler is so much easier than having to sculpt someone into being a functioning like member of society. <laughs> it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I, I, everything, everything that I've been through in my life, this is the hardest thing that I have to do. Certainly. Yeah. Is is create raise a child, raise a child, and <laughs> and and nurture and like grow their mind into like positive. Like mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. insane, and, yes. and all of the different things that you go mm-hmm. through, and the the different circumstances and thoughts, and then you have to like get into their head and like, what are they thinking? What do they see? Mm-hmm. How is this affecting them? And there's no good, uh, perfect parent either, right? Um, right. And there'll come a time where Xander's older and he'll choose what he wants to take from mom, from dad, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, discard some other stuff that maybe, you know, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you, you kind of mentioned that you, when you told him, I don't recognize you, and then he came out with that story about school mm-hmm. so I, I think that's an important lesson for parents to kind of you know not always take their children on the surface level that mm-hmm. there may be something that is sparking the behavior there usually is something mm-hmm. that is sparking the behavior um, and you know you're still teaching them to be respectful young people um, but when they start acting out of character sometimes there's usually something that happened and the, and they're gonna they're they're embarrassed they're they're um, scared to kind of come out with what maybe took place they don't know how to how to uh, deal with that emotion that they're feeling but then they open up and that's mm-hmm. when you can have that conversation like you know um, you can always tell me if some, if you're feeling a certain way you can always share that with me and we'll talk about it Right. You know. I think um, my fiance and I were both, obviously we both like experienced 
well, I don't want to say obviously, we both experienced bullying when we were younger. Uh-huh. I came from a background where like it it affected me a lot because I had no way I didn't go home and like hear that like those things were false mm-hmm. um I didn't come to school with my hairbrush or clean clothes like I would I was the epitome of like a, an easy target because mm-hmm. I was emotionally like distraught I I didn't ever feel like I was coming to school like feeling good um and my fiance, when he was younger, he was on the heavier side, so he identifies with my son and how he's feeling. So here we are realizing how being bullied in school affected us mm-hmm. and trying to navigate and come up with a better response mm-hmm. for our child and how we're going to... to to talk to him so that hopefully he doesn't internalize it. And it's, it's very hard because I think in parenting, you come face to face with a lot of things that, uh, remind you of yourself or force you to confront things you didn't know that you had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where it gets really hairy, especially in, uh, Teenagers, which I saw a lot this year mm-hmm. and how they interacted with their parents. And, you know, I had a lot of kids tell me a lot of stuff and is very interesting um, to see the different perspectives, the different, um, the different behaviors that came from different households. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I could say anything like to parents listening of teenagers mm-hmm. is that, how you respond and how they see you carry yourself and what you do has a huge effect on how they value themselves. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, so putting the work into healing from that generational trauma or there's those past mistakes or the things that have haunted you if not doing it for yourself do it for your child because I see young beautiful intelligent girls that have so much potential start falling down the same path that I went down and obviously I'm, uh, you know, I was a school staff member. I had boundaries and I had, you know, I had to kind of find how I could fit into being like planting a seed and hoping that it grows kind of a thing. So I channeled a lot of my mentor and someone who's still a huge um, uh, aspect of my life. So uh, before we... And I, I want to go back to that because I want to share with you something very uh, precious to me. But um, I actually got to, like, tell some of these girls, like, I I created relationships with them. You know, they would talk to me about their home life. And they had very similar things to say about their home life that I could identify with. Not necessarily to the extreme However, like, I could see how a lot of the certain behaviors could affect them and how we had similarities um, with, you know, 
just parents living out their lives not realizing what's going on and I got to to tell these like girls that I have no doubt you know as long as as they put in the work that they need to put into will go so far in life mm-hmm. I hold them near and dear to my heart I always will that's why leaving is like so bittersweet as the relationships that I have but I'm also going to my dream job so it's like <laughs> yeah, right. um but I got to tell them you know hey just talk to me about anything that that you need just make sure that you're talking to someone find a trusted female adult that can help guide you even if it's not me Hmm. please remember a few things like you are cherished you are loved you have so much value and you are the prize above all when you start dating because that that was a lot a big thing that we started seeing this school year and i did unfortunately see i i i got to see a lot of uh behaviors that i know were learned but you know domestic violence kind of situations that were happening already in high school and and i had conversations with those girls and and kind of told them you know um one one piece of advice was that uh people not just in relationships will treat you the way that you allow them to treat you boundaries are extremely important understanding your worth and the fact that you are like and that's what something that i stress to these girls you are the prize don't ever let someone make you feel otherwise because they are wrong um and and making sure that they had someone to talk to who had their best interests at heart you know um that was a big thing that I talked to a couple of the girls about. If your friends are always telling you what you want to hear, they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. Your friends aren't always going to tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you, you're being goofy, stop doing that. You know, that's a really poor decision you're making, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Probably not in those exact words, but <laughs> yeah. the gist. And and I hope that they heard me a little bit. I know that like certain people in my life that I did, I kind of brushed off and continued making those mistakes. Um, I didn't hear them right away. Uh, uh, I think something that's important to remember with not only parents, but anyone that works with kids, you plant a seed and you pray like hell that a (laughs) storm along the way waters it enough to grow. Yeah. I, I like it. So, and that's a lot of adolescence is making mistakes and growing and learning from them and becoming who you are by trial and error. That's right. So there needs to be some grace from us as the adults as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you kind of, again, blankets and boundaries, learning how to nurture and create structure and allowing them to to explore their own emotions and their own identity and their own personality it's it's very complicated mess but it's beautiful yeah well said now you mentioned you wanted to talk about oh so in the first um podcast we had talked about how i had a female Mm -hmm. who very much was like a mother to me I asked her, which I plan on asking her in a much more, like, official way. I'm sure she'll read, like, listen to this, so I got to get on that. But (laughs) uh, I asked her 
if she would be willing to speak at my wedding on the behalf of like my family and where someone from my family would be making a speech um she's known me the longest she's seen me go through so much she's someone that i i look up to immensely and and it's like humbling the fact that she was like i i was like oh you don't have to maybe if you could like kind of like don't feel pressured and she's like i would love to that's amazing and (laughs) it is very humbling to to know that she feels uh you know it's a symbiotic relationship she feels the same way as well so it's it's a it's a big deal and i i hold that near and dear to my heart yeah it sounds like a beautiful relationship it is yeah. it is and i'm extremely lucky yeah so to have that that person in your life that's always there mm-hmm. that's never given up mm-hmm. on you um that's what i i feel a lot of young people deserve and need mm-hmm. in their lives um is that type of kinship, that type of love, mm-hmm. um, that type of security, you know, enable to, uh, that enables them to explore and to be curious because they know they have that person that'll, that is always there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it sounds like you will be that person for Xander. You will be that person. I liked when you said your husband... Or your fiance uh, mentioned, oh, I'm still here, though. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know. That's uh, been a huge thing that he's brought into our household is that, like, regardless of emotions and anger and, you know, struggles and adversity that we face as a family, you know, he's like, you guys are it for me. You guys are my family. (laughs) Like, I am not going anywhere regardless. (laughs) And, And I think that's a huge thing that I needed. But I'm really glad that my son sees that. Not that he doesn't have a wonderful father. He has an amazing dad. Mm -hmm. His dad is phenomenal when it comes to nurturing the kids emotionally. Uh, I'm definitely the more strict one, the more, like, matter-of-fact one. And he is the type that, like, they're throwing a full-on temper tantrum and he'll just sit quietly on the floor next to them and wait for them to be done and then talk to them about what's going. And he has patience that I could not (laughs) even dream of emulating, but I think we parent very well, and and the three of us have acclimated to parenting very well together. Um, My fiancé and Xander's dad have each other's back. Um, Mm -hmm. There's no animosity. We all all go to the same meetings. We all hang out with him, and, and... and Xander really knows that we are a unit. Yeah, right. Um, same page. Same page. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's been very, very helpful for Xander's progression and yeah. growth. Certainly. Well, Caitlin, <laughs> you've managed to bring me to tears a couple times. Uh, inspired me with your words and your storytelling thank you Um, i appreciate the the opportunity to be here um this is what i want to do with my life is is use what i've gone through mm -hmm. to help and educate others on you know a different way or or enlighten them maybe and and i think that's all we can hope to do as humans is 
And you do. You 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 uh, model a, a, a different way to respond to life's suffering. Um, you've uh, whoever's listening to this, you're you're hearing uh, what putting in the work can um, produce and create. Um, I, you know, I was raised with a, or I don't even know if I was, I, I think I was raised with a strong work ethic, but I think it was something inside of me as well, um, to understand that those really valuable things in life take work. Yeah. Um, I also think a, a lot of it is finding what you have a passion for. Because mm-hmm. um, if you have a passion for what you do, like they say, you never work a day in your life. And I feel mm-hmm. like uh, if police work is anything like what I was doing here, I really believe that I'm going to be very happy for the rest of my career. I, I believe it. And this isn't goodbye. No. You know, uh I want to revisit your life (laughs) (laughs) after some time in the force because I really feel like you're going to bring a lot of wisdom and um, soul to the police uh, force. Thank Um, you. And I could see even in the future, I mean, police, what a difficult job um, it is these days. Uh, So you're entering a field that right now is very challenging but I believe in my heart that you're going to be able to infuse uh, the police force with all of the stuff that you've shared with us today that that wisdom, that care that awareness Um, and I could see you someday training police officers thank you, I really really appreciate that Um, Obviously, we all have our naysayers, and I've had a lot of people tell me, uh, oh, you don't want to be a cop. It's, it's so dangerous, and it's so hard, and it changes you for the worst. And I just, I have this, like, kind of, I don't I don't even know, like, like this tenacity, I guess, that, like, kind of bubbles up. And I'm just like, look at everything I've been through. You think that's going to scare me? I was built for this. I'm so excited to, like, dive headfirst. This is the only thing that I've ever seen myself doing. It's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take work, but it's going to work. Yeah. So I really appreciate all of your kind words inviting me back. Um, it's been a pleasure to work alongside you this year. Oh, it's been great. Um, and we'll miss you. <laughs> I'm going to miss everyone here. I'll definitely come by and, and uh, definitely uh, visit. So. Yes, and say hello. And yeah. like I said, give it a year. You got to go through, you know, the academy and and then field training, and field training, and probation. Yeah, and, yeah. I'll, I'll let you. You know. Get your get my bearings. Get your bearings for a little bit, and then I'd love to yeah touch base again and see how things are going. And yeah, and you know you've got so much to share. Thank you. So thank you, thank you so much for taking the time. Of course.